Hello, it is Friday. That means bring it in with me, Gerard Hector. And back like he never left, my good friend, Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? How could I be better? Man, this is, uh, <laughs> this is a great time of year if you're a basketball fan, right? Oh, man. I mean, the playoffs have been so good. There's been so many storylines, so much drama. I mean, let's just get right into it, Coach. And we have to start with, whoo. The ugliness that was Philadelphia last night. Um, so the Miami Heat won that series, right? Uh, they won in six, like many people predicted. Um, Joel Embiid, obviously injured, played his heart out. Maxi, all these guys, they did, they did what they could. One James Harden, I guess you could argue that mm, I don't think he gave his full maximum effort. And we have not seen him give his full maximum effort in God. I'm actually trying to think. When was the last time I saw him give max effort? Oh, I, I know. It was last season, the playoffs with Brooklyn against the Boston Celtics. Pre-hamstring uh, injury. That was I, the last time. I might I might push back and say game six in Toronto. Ah, yes, was, that's true. He game, was yeah, really... Yeah. Or ga- game... game um, not game six. Game... Uh, yeah, game six. It was... Was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the one... Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, was... Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he gave max effort, to be fair, but... He, he was terrific, right? That was the Harden game. So yes, yes. yes. You're not wrong, uh, Gerard. And um, I had an interesting kind of uh, night watching Philadelphia play. And I don't really pay attention to hockey very much, but the Lightning do have this incredible franchise. They're trying to go for three straight, which is hasn't happened since yeah, so 80, hard to do. 80, 83 or whatever. And um, Edmonton, right? The Oilers I last team so. to do that, it's I think. Matt Gretzky, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Gretzky and Messi. And, and they don't have Wayne Gretzky on their team, but it's an incredibly <laughs> well-run franchise. And so my daughter had like five of her best friends from high school over our main house in, in the house watching the game. And I need to watch the Sixers. So I'm in my office and during the playoffs, I don't watch multiple TVs. I'm watching one game at a time. I need to focus, but I did have it on this. I had, I've, you know, I told you I have four screens set up. I have one above the mm-hmm. other. So I've got the lightning game on the top one and the volume on the Philadelphia game. And I'm listening and I'm watching, <laughs> but I can't take my eyes off of this team down three, two in the third period. And they're playing like their hair's on fire. Now hockey is looks like that anyway, but mm-hmm. both and Toronto has lost like eight straight first round matchup. I don't want to talk hockey much, but apparently they're a great franchise. I know nothing about hockey and they're fighting for the lives against the two time Stanley yeah. cup champ. And I'm just watching this team fucking play so hard. And, and they ended up tying the game and winning it overtime, although I thought they got outplayed for what little I know of hockey. <laughs> but I'm watching the Sixers at the same time. <laughs> you know? And then they actually start pressing when the game's over. And they're getting some turnovers. They right. cut the lead to 11, whatever, 13. But I thought, well, guys, where was this the entire game when the game was still in doubt? And, uh, and so there's a lot of blame to go around Gerard and we should probably spend some time uh, casting mm-hmm. that blame. But the bottom mm-hmm. line is mm-hmm. if you lose, given everything you got, like I kept thinking the Toronto scores a goal, they win the series. The dream is over, mm-hmm. but the lightning, they lost to a better team in the regular season. They tried out a better record. They're, they're the favorite and they fucking played their ass off. What else can you do? That is not how I felt about the Sixers. I don't no. know. So that, that's my hockey take. 
No, <laughs> no. And the Maple Leafs, yes, one of the original great franchises in the NHL, and they've got uh, a terrific yeah. player um, yeah. over there. Um, so that you know, the Leafs are, are great, but sometimes you run into that team that's just like, well, <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> you know? you're gonna beat the I'm, Lightning. You're gonna bring you got to bring everything you got, and you got to get a little lucky. Well, they Toronto brought everything yes. they had and didn't get lucky. You didn't. You need both to knock off Tampa, which they might right. in Game Seven in Toronto. And I think you know you bring that up, and we talk about this all the time. Philly didn't even give luck a right. chance. In this exactly game. right. Right? Exactly like, right. didn't even give luck exactly a chance. Right. And blame to go around. All right, so I gave some to Harden, who obviously, and we can talk about the offseason and the decisions they have to make there. We will. Uh, friend of the show, I, we got to give some blame to Daryl Morey. Because, look, you knew who – it wasn't like there was no tape on James Harden, right? You, you knew what he's been the last year and a half. You saw it. And we knew you tried to train, trade – Ben and Simmons last season. Okay. Well, you should have let that go. You should have made that happen well before this season started. Right. And get, and get into this scenario where you're like, nope, we're going to hold on to it. So I think that intransigence on Daryl's part, uh, is he, he gets some blame as well. Doc Rivers has got to get some blame too. Um, I think in the game, they went to the coaches track, which of course we know. So fans, we don't know out there. It's not all rah, rah. The reason that's what they show you on the thing is because they don't, they cut out the actual tactical stuff for obvious reasons. But Doc being like, come on, guys, fight for this. And I was like, Jesus. Like, when you when he's begging for that and they're all looking like they're off into space, I'm like, yeah, that is a team that is not listening to you. And this is over. Um, and, you know, he's probably going to leave soon, too. And actually, we'll, we'll talk about Doc. Actually, I'm going to ask you right now yeah. as a coach. You said something to me on our last show a couple weeks ago that made me think. You said, I never sit down when I'm in the gym coaching. When I start doing that, I know it's time for yeah. me to walk away. Does Doc know that like he doesn't love this like that anymore in terms of I'm willing to give it like every ounce of my being, right? Like obviously he knows basketball and loves the game, but is he just doing it because, you know, I'm going to get hired because I'm Doc. Like he doesn't seem to really like, you know, want to be doing the thing. Boy, that's such a great question, Gerard. Um, I'm glad you're, I, I always am flattered that you remember anything that I say. <laughs> I, I, when I was in LA last week, I was fortunate enough to watch some pre-draft workouts with some guys. Uh, I'm really helping the coach more than I'm helping the players because I, I don't live in LA. I spent a couple of days there. But it, the, the sessions were back to back to back. So three and a half hours of training. And I didn't sit down one time. And I was the oldest motherfucker in the gym. I was so old <laughs> that I actually groomed my whiskers. I felt old. I did. I, 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 this is three or four days back now. Um, I really just felt like a grandpa. And I didn't, I didn't like that feeling. But I didn't sit down because that's when I have to quit. <laughs> that's kind of my own rule. Um, it, Doc, for whatever is going on there, uh, I think you're onto something, Gerard. I think that he knew he had lost this team. And whether it's he lost it or they lost it themselves, we won't know. Maybe someone will report some stuff. I know from inside uh, sources that there's a real disconnect. But Doc has not been the – I've never had any player – tell me complain about doc as much as about people like James. Uh, there's just, mm -hmm. there's an issue. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's Joel. I yeah. really don't. I think, I think he, yeah, no. I think he played so well this year that even if there were some teammates who didn't believe necessarily in him fully before the season, they did by mid year. I mean, he's just, he fucking mm -hmm. gave it everything he has. He fucking got a broken face mm -hmm. fell on his back yeah. so violently and, but mm -hmm. ended up still playing. Um, I think, and, and, you know, let me say something about Daryl. So I, I would say Daryl and I are, are business friends. 
We've had business lunches and you know together. We're on Facebook together. He will text me. He'll tweet me. He'll Facebook post me. Um, he is. We've had many, many, many conversations. I don't think we're friends socially, but um, I've I've said for years I thought he was the best talent evaluator in the league, based on decisions he's made going back 15 years. Uh, what's happened in Philadelphia has been an unmitigated disaster. Going back to the Ben Simmons situation last year, and I do not think any one person, that Daryl included, deserves full blame on that because it is a franchise failure. And you go to coach, and you go mm -hmm. to player, and you go to agent, you go to everywhere else. But the bottom line is they lost last year in spectacular fashion to Trey Young in a big upset with, with Ben really kind of dying on the vine. And it's been a full calendar year, a little more than that. And they are just as lost as they were with the decisions that have been made by the franchise. Whoever is at fault, we don't know. We don't know how much Josh Harris is doing. They, he has responsibility too as the owner. And I know you know that mm -hmm. as the governor. Yep, so sure. uh, all I know is they have a, a top three player in the world unequivocally. And they can't get out of the second round still. And that is a colossal failure because his years are numbered. This guy is taking such yes. a beating. Um, it is, it is mm -hmm. unfortunate. And uh, I'll say, I'll leave you with yeah. this on this particular thing. Uh, this is not about the MVP conversation, although you and I think both sided with Jokic. Tell me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but I thought you did too. Yeah. Nope. So, yep, yep. Gerard, uh, who would you rather be? Nikola Jokic has two back-to-back -back MVPs, in my opinion, deservedly so. Or you can argue, but he certainly wasn't not deserving. Mm -hmm. And he's still got Correct. Murray and MPJ coming back. And Embiid has no MVP trophies and has James Harden. And Tyrese Maxey looks great, but Harden and Harris mm -hmm. are the two S of the players. Who would you rather be right now? I know the answer to that one. Oh, Jokic <laughs> right. for sure. That's not even right. a question. I mean, he's younger. He's, you know, and, and putting the rundown, Coach, does Philly have a Joel Embiid problem? Um, and yeah. I was kind of like tongue-in-cheeking, but what, what I'm saying is this is the second year, uh, again, in a row, you could fail to make it out of the second round with a prime MVP level, as you said, three, one of the three best players in the world. And you know how I feel about that title. It rotates yep. by the yep. month, by the week, by the whatever, that he is constantly on the ground. So taking the beating at the rim because he's big and whatever, but he's constantly falling down. The ground doesn't give. He already has an injury history. How many more years, he's 28, can you reasonably predict he's going to be healthy right for and play at this level i don't know and you're wasting them right it's another year gone and we talked about this off the show and i kind of want to talk about this now since we're here this idea of the 82 game regular season versus the 16 game and does philly because look a whole culture shift needs to go on inside the organization do they need to start thinking differently about how joel paces himself for the season and is it like look man we think you're an mvp you maybe should have won one but trying to go for that, probably not going to happen for us. We've got to figure out how to manage you best so that come April, you're ready to beast on people and we can advance. Gerard, if you were in my office right now, I'd give you the warmest hug because <laughs> I'm so happy you asked me that question. Uh, and I am not an expert on this. I'm an expert in a lot of things about basketball, not on this. But I've been around some experts and I talked to Henry a lot and he talked to some experts. And I talked to Henry about this topic this morning. You didn't even know that. Uh, he asked me what I would do basically if I was running the team. And, uh, I, I said, I'd consult with the world's smartest people like Dr. Marcus Elliott, 
Marcus and, Elliott. Um, but I would get a team of them. I had an assortment of them. Mm-hmm. And I would sit down with Joel with them and come up with a plan to get you falling less. Because I know, and Henry sent me an article about it, that he falls because he was told to fall as a way to relieve some lower body stress. He just goes to the ground. And I get that. Mm. I understand that. But at his size and age, I think that takes a toll too. And I always think about mm-hmm. Larry Bird. I was, I, was, I was watching a YouTube. I'm so stupid doing stuff like this. But I was watching Jamal Mashburn and Chris Weber talking about Team USA stories. Because mm. I have my own with Bobby Hurley and everything. Bobby Hurley Sr. Well, back then he was junior. Um, I think he's a dad now. Um, and uh, they're, you know, they were telling stories how Larry Bird, he was just school. And um, Rodney Rogers, remember him from Wake Forest? Great lefty, mm-hmm, really athletic. Yeah. Kind of looked like a mm-hmm. Zion, really. Um, wasn't as skilled as that. But uh, Larry Bird killed him in a workout after Rodney talked some trash. And then had to lay down <laughs> on his stomach because his back was so fucked up. Because he dove so much. And I would, I would say to Joel, like, we have got to come up with something. Whether it's less minutes, 28-minute restriction is my first thought. I'm just making the number up. I would let science tell me. Uh, what, how can we train to keep you from falling so much? How can we, do we need to lose 40 pounds or 30 pounds and just get you leaned out? I, whatever we have to do, we need to lengthen that window of time where you can be one of the world's best players. And you falling so much isn't the answer. That, that's definitely what I would do. And to your point about a Joel Embiid problem, Gerard, he's, he's, when asked about Duramori and he cited the decision against mm-hmm. Seth Curry and who was the other one he said? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, and, and Andrew Drummond. Drummond. Yeah, <laughs> those guys aren't there mm-hmm. anymore because of Harden. I mean, hello, mm-hmm. like, uh, come on, Joel, oh, yeah. Joel. We all we're doing the math, and it's not <laughs> it's not hard. It's not calculus. <laughs> this is basic arithmetic. Yes. Uh, quit being yes. passive aggressive, or just don't say it. But by saying it, you're acknowledging right. how you really feel, which is we're in the media appreciative of. Yeah, that's a problem. I think that's a workable solution, but it's yeah. a problem. It, for sure. And, you know, he said also in his post-game comments, um, because Jimmy Butler had shed a lot of love to him on the post-game interview on TV, saying, oh, Joel's yeah. my guy. I love that dude. I, w- I wish I was still here battling with him. And uh, and B said the same thing, same thing about Butler. I don't know how we let that guy go. I wish I was still here battling with him as well. Um, and it's clearly an indictment, right? Like, he's clearly talking about James Harden and, like, and 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 jimmy's ability to just give it all and compete and you talk about this all the time being able to compete is a skill right like and compete at a high level it's a skill just like you know crossover dribble snake whatever all, all those things are skill but competing is a skill and jimmy has this way about him that isn't right for everybody and we know that clearly you know cat and andrew wiggins didn't like that that style but jimmy was ultimately proved correct right like look man i, I want to win and this is how i do things and miami is the perfect culture for him because they allow him to do that, and it works. And because everybody in Miami is like that, PJ, Bam Adebayo, Spo, like the whole UD, everybody. So it's cool. But if you don't really work and react to that kind of of doggedness, Jimmy ain't the guy for you. And whatever reason, that didn't work for Ben Simmons. We know, and you know they had to make a choice, and they decided to go with Tobias Harris. I don't know if you saw the clip of Jimmy in the tunnel after Game Six, heading to the locker room. Tobias Harris over me. I was like, oh boy. Like, and it wasn't quite Tobias Harris over you, Jimmy, but I I, I get the point. I, I get the sentiment. Uh, but you know, Jimmy gets the last laugh on that. Well, one. I didn't know Jimmy said that, but I had I had a player tell me 
long before Jimmy left, I'm sure I've said this on the show before, that he was leaving anyway because he, he was sick of being screamed at to get the ball inside all the time. And it wasn't because he didn't want to get the ball inside. It's because he didn't need to be told it. Like, it was, right. He's like, I, yeah, I know the quote I was, exactly. The quote I was getting is, man, I, fucking Jimmy Butler, I know how to get the ball to the post and I know when to do it. I didn't have some <laughs> dude screaming. That was a Brett Brown thing. He, that, so mm-hmm, he wasn't going mm-hmm. that because of Brett Brown, I believe. But, um, you know, you mentioned something about competitiveness. And uh, I deal with this all the time right now with, with the young, you know, I'm not one of these people who believe that generationally kids are, are worse. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm enormously proud of my children and many of their friends. And they are dealing with shit. You and I, I mean, I'm much older than you, never had to deal with. And they're fucking champions. That doesn't mean they're perfect. Every generation, we have our own flaws. Uh, all you have to do is follow college basketball, which I do a little bit now, as you know, uh, and see that transfer portal. And because of who I am and because my son is a lot like me, and I'm glad to say that people reach out to him, players around the country who want advice on what should I do, and they're quick to want to leave. And uh, I think that that generation, and there's lots of reasons why, we won't get into too deeply, there's a lack of competitive sometime. And the ones that say, fuck it, I'm going to earn this rotation spot. And I'm talking about college. And it's the same thing at the next level. Mm-hmm. And I told my son today, literally on a phone call this morning, when he asked about a player that I called him, uh, no, that, this is the time to fucking strap it on. Let's go and prove you, you earn, you're going to earn rotation minutes where you are. And if it doesn't work out, you've given everything you have and the coaches believe in you and trust you and you still can't do it, well, then maybe look to go at a, a lower level. Don't think you're going to another high major team if you're a college player uh, and think it's going to work out because every team's trying to find the same kind of guys. The same thing. If you can't do that in college, you definitely have no shot in the NBA unless you're the most gifted guy ever, which there are some. Because there's lots of Bookers and Giannis's and Lucas in this league and, and uh, uh, Brunson's. And Tuckers, they start mm-hmm. thinking of all these motherfuckers mm-hmm. who are so tough and all they want to do is crush your skull. And if you, mm-hmm. if you're faint of heart a little bit and you can't handle that, you, you're, you're not going to make it long in this league because it, we're still weeding out everyone that isn't willing to fight. And the perfect matchup is different. Now, when you get the Jimmy Butler, because he's always going to fight into that kind of culture. Well, there you go. Now there are two Eastern Conference Finals. In three seasons. Like, that's not an accident. It wasn't the bubble after all. When people thought Jimmy Butler was a, mm-hmm. a bubble creation. Wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, a, not even close. <laughs> not even fucking close. So we, this is where I do believe Ben Simmons needs a lot of hugs. But I also think he needs, needs a lot of stern discussion. Like, you want to keep making money, you've got to not be afraid of failure. And that is one of the definitions of being competitive. It's giving everything you got, knowing you might lose. You can have all the swagger you want. But you're not a, you're not you're not being a realist, and you better be because someone's going to have to lose. It, it is literally a zero sum game situation. There's only X number of minutes mm-hmm. available, and there's only one team that's going to win every single night in hockey or soccer. Like there's going to be a loser, yeah. and you yeah. got to be willing to deal with that. And um, watching this, and I, we'll get to the Suns in a minute. But I'm telling you, watching watching that series, like they could lose this series because they just have no one better than one guy. And if that's going to take away your spirit, then you're not in the right sport and you're going to be found out eventually. Mm-hmm. You got to bring it all the time. Yeah, no, I think you're so right. And we will get to the Suns. Um, 
you're so right about competition because, man, that's what you see in a player like Jalen Brunson. Yeah. I mean, what is he, 5'9", 5'10", maybe? Small. I don't know. And he's small. And his competitiveness, yeah. like even after getting dogged or scored on or blocked, he's undeterred, yeah. right? And that's the mindset you need. And then, again, it's not there with Simmons. I don't know what's going on with James Harden right now. You know, we, we, we've written about it some. And as you get older and the, the great days, just they're fewer, right? They come fewer now, right? You have more poor days. But it's also something we know about James, which is he's someone who works on his basketball game, the skill of it. He don't work on his body. And that's very obvious, right? Does he dedicate himself in the offseason and be like, look, bro, if you want to stay in this league, you, you got to change some things. Because, I mean, that's who wants to give that guy $250 million right now? That's insanity. It would be, it would be, there would need to be an investigation, honestly. Uh, I think you're right. I told this to Henry this morning. If I'm Daryl and I want to keep him, and I don't think he should, that's a whole other topic, but uh, I'd make him move in with me. Bring your family in. We got a big old mansion, I'm sure, uh, or we could get one with the money he's made in his career. Both of them could combine and buy a really big place. And um, <laughs> you don't got to be in game shape tomorrow. Take two weeks, do whatever you want, but we need to start working towards that. But you're going to be in the best shape you've ever been this offseason uh, to have any shot. At least we'll know. We're, we're not really sure. And ultimately, I think we are sure. In fact, I want to give True Hoop some credit. Uh, my first ever video piece I did with Dexter Henry, um, who I think is a good friend of yours, right? Yeah, he's yes, a brilliant he is, guy, yeah. very talented guy. The very first one we did was a couple weeks ago after they beat the Raptors when he had the Harden game. And I, and I said on the, on the little video that we did, like, what does this mean? Like I, I typically these guys don't do it much. Well, he did. He had a couple games at most that were that were very good. He Joel said it last night. I think he just called him basically the quarterback. Like he's got to change, yeah. and and you don't pay that guy that kind of money. Yeah, you don't pay him that kind of money. There's value to him if you pay him eight million dollars a year and let him run your team. Right, not to pay him fifty. No, you pay because 50 I'm not sure he should be in the game in the fourth quarter. If he yeah. if he can't yeah, defend, right. I don't you know. So play him, pay me eight million a year. Do him a four year, thirty two million. He, he ain't gonna take it because what is he? What is he owed next year? Uh, forty seven, yeah. something like that. Yeah, he ain't that much in yeah, four years. So. Not the way he's playing now. Yeah, no, no. He, he didn't box out last night. He, I mean, it's just like so many things. It was like, dude, you are so check. Took two shots in the second half. That two. tells you something. And then his excuse was, "We ran the offense. The ball didn't That's get back to me." Right I'm there. like, well. Well, first of all, (laughs) going into the game, Henry wrote yesterday, he and I discussed this because I have some sourcing uh, connected to the whole thing that um, uh, I don't know how much they're going to throw him the ball. Well, I don't really necessarily trust that the ball never found him again as it it relates to the offense as much as it was like, dude, we're, we're moving on without you here. You know, Henry wrote this. And um, Henry oh, yeah. nailed it. He nailed the, he nailed the whole thing of, of what really is going on there. And I told Henry in the first quarter, because his whole piece was about the connection to James and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. They did. They played beautifully the first quarter. And I told Henry, uh, a team like that is like a ball of string. In the first quarter, after a day and a half off, it's a tight, tightly wound unit. They're following directions. They're following orders. Mm-hmm. Hit ahead early, mm-hmm. running, which is not what Dak wanted. I didn't even know that Henry had said, Doc had said, we got to run more, which they had not been doing that before. But start unraveling that ball of string and tell me what it looks like an hour later. 
And that's exactly mm, not yeah. great. <laughs> Normally in those situations, it doesn't last. And it, it didn't last. Yeah. And, and you saw it, right? Maxi and Harris would pass only pass to Harden when he was their last option. They were going anywhere yeah. else. And I'm like, yeah, well, because that, that tells me this team is not clicking and vibing with you. There's an also not this game, but the last one. Maxie's on the bench. Harden comes to sit next to him. Maxie gets up and goes to the other side. Harden follows him. He's just trying to get away from him. I oh, wow. Like, I didn't is... see that. Yeah. I was like, this is not good. <laughs> like, wow. This is just. So, they listen, this offseason in Philly, they got to do some serious, serious changes. What would you do? Because right. I, I so, just... if you could wave a magic wand and find a trade partner for whatever you wanted to do, what do you think you would do? I mean, we, I, I got to get Harden and Harris off my books like those two gotta go um now who can i oh well, you know as pt barnum famously there's said many years ago there's a sucker born every minute <laughs> so somebody out there will be dumb enough yeah. to to, to, to take one Lakers. of them right so i just gotta find, yeah i just gotta find one and just and offload them to them take all their draft picks and you know all their young whatever young capital they have and you know and we we, we start around joe and tyrese maxi who i think is excellent i keep tybal because i think of course he's a great defender i get him with the world's best shooting coach I'm like dude you have to learn how to shoot. Yeah, <laughs> like, so the same idea with James. You move him in, move yeah. him in. You're doing nothing but yeah, shooting. Yeah. You have to be you're, decent. You're recommending a Camp Mori. Camp Mori. Camp Mori. James, you're going to get in shape. Matisse, you're going to learn to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> it's just because we got to, we, we got to, because Joel's too good. He's too good for us to be floundering around like this. So, yeah, that's what I do. But can that happen? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like, you got to find, uh, yeah, you got to find that trade partner. Uh, I call the Kings. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah there we go. <laughs> call the Kings. That's always Kings. The Kings are always available. <laughs> <laughs> I probably mean to say that, but um, that's what I would do. Last one before we get yeah. to the Suns Mavericks. You had thrown Jay Wright into the um, the dock. What did you want to say about yeah, Jay just Wright? That you, you can coax him to come into coaching. Yeah, I mean he's a legend in Philly. He is a, a great coach. I I know that um, he's recruited my area very well, and. Uh, when my son was playing AAU as a middle schooler, there was a, a very, very good player at a, at a school we trained at, the actual school we practiced at, way in, far away, 45 minutes away in Tampa, in downtown. And the head coach there had coached McDonald's All-Americans before, and he's a great coach and a good friend of mine named Joe Fenlon. And um, Jay came in to visit. And uh, uh, the coach told me, like, no one owns a room like Jay Wright. And, and they, these guys had all sorts of great schools coming in and, and uh, I don't even know where the kid went, but he, he, he just thought the guy's got everything. Like he's really polished. Uh, he'd be great. And he has said very recently, cause he retired as a coach, as you know, this is the coach of Villanova for NBA fans that don't know it. He had said that um, he's committing one year to Villanova, not as a coach, but mm. whatever people say shit all the time. And mm-hmm. Philly comes in and backs up the Brinks truck and says, we do, we need you. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be now he's never had a big guy like, uh, like this guy, but you can mm-hmm. figure that stuff out. It's not hard to figure out how to mm-hmm. score with Joel and beat. Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not, a, it's not difficult to come with an offense to, to take advantage of him. And, and Jay Wright's a bright basketball mind. So yeah. He a hundred percent would figure it out. Uh, maybe Mike D'Antoni also isn't known for big guys, but, um, wow. he, I think he's an innovative thinker. Uh, I don't think Doc's gonna be the guy though. No, no, no. And it's, you know, it, it's interesting because I do, I do think Doc is a good coach. I think he what happened been. to Doc over time was he has been a good coach. And after that one title and the injuries, he got kind of elevated into that great coach category. 
And I don't know if he was ever great, but he was also very good. And so now he was always judged against that standard. And since then, it hasn't been great, right? And so now it's all of a sudden Doc's a terrible coach and it's all these things. And again, I just wonder, as much as these guys love hoop and they're NBA lifers, like, dude, like, do you really want to be doing this shit? Like traveling all around the country all year? Like you got enough money, just go play golf all day, dude. Or just like, be an assistant or a consultant. Like you're, you're, yeah. not, you're not wrong. I, I'll, I'll add one thing. Um, I think there was a time where coaches felt like it's going to be my ideology and we're just going to stick to this and do our best. And, but we've got, we've got some real snakes, man. The poster is a snake and I'm in the best way. A shark. Mm-hmm. I was the same way mm-hmm. I thought. I'm going to try to find a way to beat you. I have no ideology except to win. I, I mean, yeah, player development, all that is fine. But I mean, in a game, if I'm trying to win, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I, there's no principles, man to man, zone, trap, whatever I have to do. And I think the game has turned that way more than ever. Spoh one of them. That he's not the only one. And uh, I don't think, I mean, as I think even Embiid said this, like Jimmy Butler was open all over the place. Well, why? Mm-hmm. Yes. He, he was killing you guys. You guys got to come up with a different mm-hmm. plan. The problem is they're the best shooting team in the league. And, um, mm-hmm. and so when you send two to a ball, someone's going to be wide open. But yeah, I think it's time. Uh, I don't think Kenny Atkinson's going to go there. I think he'd be a great pick for the Lakers, actually. But there's plenty. Yeah, of good Kenny, I mean, Kenny's and good. I'm, oh, it, and it, I'm, on this subject, though, I want to say this. Henry and I talk about this a lot. I talked to a friend of mine the other day too about it too. We've talked about this on the show, Gerard. Uh, I, I'm just waiting for a black man or woman to be hired that wasn't an NBA player. Nothing against mm-hmm. them if they're NBA players, mm-hmm. obviously. And someone should hire Udonis tomorrow to be head NBA coach whenever he wants it. But there's a whole bunch of young black men and women that can really mm-hmm. coach this game and were never great players. Who cares? Right. Why is that restricted yeah. to white men? So right. yeah. let's yeah. let's Correct. open up our minds and find the X and O guy that's also a motivator. As you already said, the Doc, who used to be the most charming, charismatic motivator, isn't anymore. At least mm-hmm. hasn't been for right. some time. There's some guys out there that can get these guys you know excited again, energized again. Mm-hmm. Bring bring that into Philly. Get rid of James, yeah. bring no that doubt. in, and let's see what happens. Yeah, let's uh, let's move to the Suns yeah. Mavericks series because oh man, we are having a game seven coming up, which I don't know that many of us thought was going to happen. I think we thought, all right, Suns and six. You know, Dallas is cute; they did their thing, but they're, they're going to execute. And we have to start here with coaching. Look, we're going to not talk about him as a person. That's fine. We don't forget about that. Jason Kidd has gotten better as a coach, um, and you always say yep. coaches can get better too, like. And he certainly has. He learned some things. There are different things he's doing deep. It's not just, oh, they're playing more hard. Yes, they're playing harder, but there's actually strategy and different things he's doing and making adjustments defensively. What are you seeing from Kidd and his adjustments defensively that's causing Phoenix all kinds of problems? Well, so first of all, here's the story about Jason Kidd. He's a rising senior in high school at, I think it was Oakland, Alameda County Schools. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the name Mm -hmm. of the school. Um, but I thought it was a public school. Maybe not. But um, he played my my best friend and my brother was coaching uh, in Gainesville. And I saw his team play. He was amazing. But at this tournament, they did a, a big – they had a scout, a famous scouting service, a guy named Clark Francis. He came in. Jason Kidd was the the pretty much unanimous number two player. I don't remember who number one was anymore. He was number two. Very, very, very highly talented high school player. And, he, and, and Clark Francis, who was a friend of mine, was trashing because he couldn't shoot, which is true. He couldn't shoot, which is going to be my point. Trashed him. Said, you think you can play in college? You can't shoot? Well, the answer is yeah. They were really good at California for two years. <laughs> but, um, 
He ended up being, he retired as the all-time three-point maker, right? This is a guy yeah, yeah. for, in, uh, for yeah. made threes in the NBA. This is a guy who's not afraid to get better. And as much as I thought he was terrible as an early college, uh, high, uh, NBA coach, he got much better. To his credit, he, he had the humility to recognize we have more work to do, right? So I don't know, <coughs> excuse me, I don't know about adjustment as much as I watched all of Phoenix's turnovers this morning. And most of them, it was a very aggressive Dallas team. But also, they weren't just aggressive with their feet and with their active hands. They were always in the right spot. And I say always, on the turnovers. Mm -hmm. They were often in the right spot for the game. Taking charges at the rim. Jalen Brunson knows where people are going. Um, They have an identity on defense. And I think that Jason gets a lot of credit for that. He deserves a lot of credit for that. You know? They, um, they're making yeah. Phoenix uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. as we talked about with Philly and, then, and the, who are not the Lightning, I did not think Phoenix played with the kind of enthusiasm and energy it needed to. I Dallas agree. was playing with their backs against the wall, and I thought it showed. Mm-hmm. Phoenix needs to do that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and I also thought, look, it's no secret that Phoenix was trying to get Luka into action every time. Um, Jason Kidd talked about it. Look, I told Luca, I don't need you to be elite all NBA. When that's coming, give us two seconds of of, of fight, and then someone will be behind you. And look, just to get a star of Luca's cap to buy into that, that's not as easy as you think it is. Just go tell them to do it, and they're going to do it. These NBA players and superstars, as you know, coach, they got their own ideas about how they're going to do things, right? Like so, and he he got that right. Luca, I mean, Luca's no world beater on defense, but he's giving that two three second fight coming back in, not getting, you know, pushed around, really kind of taking taking things on personally in terms of challenges. And yeah, kids got to get credit for that. Um, you know, watching Phoenix coach, we talked about how excellent they were all regular season, 64 and four, 62 and 14, yeah. whatever the record ended up being. 64, 18. The number yeah. screwed up. There you go. Um, number three, offense, number three defense. Right. They, they cruise. We thought that first round against New Orleans was good. Helped woke the, wake yeah. them up. And it, it looked great. First two games of this series. Came out. Bang, right? All right, Dallas punches them back, tied 2-2. They blitz in that third quarter of game five. And I'm like, all right, that was the third quarter. They're ready. But Dallas, again, did not back down. And when you have a player like Luka, who can and is the best player yep. in the series, you always got a chance, right? And and this is what's happening. But there are other, the, it's the other pieces. And it's not so much Chris Paul as it is, and we talked about this a little bit. Mikael Bridges played all 82 games this season. He is averaging 41 minutes a game in the playoffs. Like, he just looks dog tired to me. Like, he is not fighting over screens. His hands aren't as quick as they normally are. You see it on the offensive end. Like, the shot's not falling. And I'm not angry at Mikhail. I just think he's gassed. Like, this is, like, why couldn't he have bought, like, seven to ten days of rest in the regular season when it doesn't matter? We're not, right? This idea of this Iron Man streak. I got to play all 82. I got to do this. It's like, we got a bigger plan in mind. I need you good in June. Not March. He, he didn't play every game this year, did he? He did. He and, Looney, he he and Looney both. So, so hold on. I'm, put, I'm adding some things together here. So, Gerard, did you see the ESPN uh, story about their pregame routine? Yes. So, is that what he does, the Iron Man thing? See what I'm talking about? Uh, Have you maybe. ever seen Bridget? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder if that's why. Mm-hmm. Could I never be. thought about could that very well he said be. it. So, he, if, for those of you who don't know... You can YouTube this, as I did. Um, mm-hmm. I said it to my son, who loves pregame stuff, too. 
he pretends to be Iron Man. <laughs> it's so funny to watch. Um, you're exactly right. I, you know, I always say I learn from my players as much as I, they learn from me. Probably, I learn probably way more. And um, one thing I didn't know is that you can run out of gas in a season. Until Corey Brew, I've told you this story before probably, he ran out of gas. He, he, he had a start late in the year in Denver instead of being six-man because um, uh, Kenneth Fareed got hurt. Remember Kenneth Fareed? And Ty Lawson got mm-hmm. hurt. And Gallo got knocked out for the year. And Corey Brewer scoring 20 night and killing it late in the season. They're rolling. This was the, this was the year the Warriors knocked him out when David Lee got hurt. Harrison Barnes went to the four. And uh, the rest is history. That was the beginning of the death lineup. And um, Corey was terrible in the postseason. And I, I remember watching him thinking, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, And he called me bawling his eyes out. He's like, you don't understand. I'm Corey Brewer. I don't fail in these moments. And I said, Corey, you had nothing left to give. You gave everything at the end of the year. And you didn't realize that you're a human being. And you ran out of gas for the first time in your life. So I think you're on to something, Gerard. I bet Mikhail's got an issue with that. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Lesson learned, by the yeah, way. Going it forward. just seems for sure. And it's like because he's such a vital oh God, part yeah. to what they do, right? Like he's so critical and you and you just see it. And so that's problematic for them uh, for game seven and for the rest of this, the, the playoffs. If they're, if they're fortunate enough to win game seven, they got a conference finals to go to. And if they're lucky to win that, they got an NBA finals to go through, right? Like it's tough. DeAndre Ayton, I thought he's another one. Defensively, he's just not what he was early to the middle of the season and i don't know if he's exhausted too um you know i it, there's there's a force that like at his size he's not playing with in the postseason and i don't know what that's about um you know if i'm phoenix i'm a little concerned i mean look we fought all all reason to have game seven at home so thank god we're home we got our fans behind us but it, it ain't gonna be no easy game uh on what what they say on saturday yeah it's, it's or whatever day saturday, yeah saturday. it's um luca Here's the thing. Luca didn't play great the other night, last night. He played good. No. He played good. He didn't play yeah. great. He missed a lot of chippies. Now, you know, mm-hmm. Phoenix is part of that. They're trying to defend him pretty well. They fouled him way too much. Way too much. I think it's a 14 mm-hmm. through three throws. Um, and he was two of eight from three. And I'd like him to channel Giannis's game six. Fuck the three. Just mm-hmm. attack. They can't guard you. Mm-hmm. Partly because Bridges is tired. Um Mm-hmm. I mean, Dallas in the two wins, <laughs> their last two wins, they are 36 of 83 from three, 40 plus percent on a good number of threes. That's hard to beat. Hard to win. Hard to win when you yeah, get that. Hard to beat when another team is stroking it like that. And yet you got to, you got to leave them open because you're taking Luca away. So part of it is going to be how well does Dallas play? This was, these were home games. This was games four mm-hmm. and game six. They shot so well. Mm-hmm. If they don't shoot very well in Game 7, then Phoenix has probably has a good chance to win. But uh, it's not an easy poison to pick when they're rolling. And, and give credit to not just uh, Nico Harrison, who put the team together mm-hmm. from Nike, mm-hmm. but, um, but also Jason Kidd, Coach Kidd, for yeah. guys just buying into their role and being okay with it. And uh, Jalen Brunson was mm-hmm. a superstar in round one, and now he's a nice role player, very good role player, but he mm-hmm. seems to have embraced that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. They're as as Henry told me this morning. When you see their other four starters, you're like, who? If you, I mean, he knows who these guys are. The <laughs> average fan wouldn't. Right, right. But it's worked, and I, I, you know, as I've said, yeah, it's a coach's league. I've been saying this since '07 when I joined ESPN. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a coach's league. It's not exclusively a coach's league, obviously, 
But look what look what you can do with one star. One. Yeah. Dwight fucking mm-hmm. Powell is starting at center. I, I had Dwight Powell right. at IMG yeah. when he was a high school kid a long time ago. <laughs> Dwight Powell and, and Maxi Kleber is playing key minutes for them off the bench. Right. Dorian Finney-Smith. Right. Undrafted. Yeah, yeah, Brunson yeah. was a late first-round pick, little mm-hmm. guy. and mm-hmm. um, But here we are. And, and Coach Kidd deserves a lot of credit for it, for sure. Yeah. On the Phoenix Sun side, you know, look. You know, we are we are fans, we are members, card carrying members of the Point God fan club. Uh, we love Chris Paul. You know, he's gonna have to have a big game in game seven. Um, you know, and he's making some uncharacteristic turnovers because again, this is the problem when you're a small guard in this league. When they throw size at you, you say it all the time, it's hard to score over length. It's also hard to see over length, right? Like when you're barely six foot and I got six ten and arms in my face, well, there's only so much I can do, right? I can't see over the top. And, you know, they're, they're getting him deep in the lane and covering him. And then it's like, crap, I can't, I see no pressure release, no one to get the ball out to, throwing the ball low, turnover, they're running the other way. And again, they're going against Phoenix's non-set defense, right? Which is huge. You get early in the clock, you're not going against set defense, your chances of scoring go way, way up. So he's going to have to play better. He's going to have a vintage Chris Paul game. Um, Devin Booker's going to have to play well. And they got the guard, you know, Mikel Bridges is going to have to find a way. Because the thing about Bridges is, Yes, Luca's a better player, but Luca's not more athletic than him. Like he shouldn't be blowing by you, right? Like you, like you're super athletic and rangy. Like he's just, and it's like no resistance. He's just going right around you. It's like, all right, something's got to change here. So we'll see what happens in Game Seven. Yeah, it's gonna be. Is it? Is it Saturday night? When is it? I think it's Saturday because it, it was Saturday. last night. Was yeah, game just uh, the Lightning play? Yeah, I think it's Saturday night. I have a date with my daughter tonight to see uh, the Doctor Strange movie, which means I'm seeing my wife tomorrow night. Oh, I nice. got. I got to figure out a way to make it all happen, Gerard. I, there's only one of me. <laughs> My wife will be very understanding. Um, but uh, yeah, that's going to be, uh, I mean, number one seed fighting for its life against one of the world's best players. Yes. I mean, that, and that's, that's the beauty of the playoffs, right? All right. Let's go to the other series, which are going advancing to uh, game sixes. First, I got to shout out my Grizzly Cubs for just the fight they had in that game five. Um, you know, no John Morant, as we know, but they literally came out backs against the wall and they said, look, we're not going to get punked and we're not going out like that. We may lose, but we're going to fight. That's the competitiveness we talked about. And they came out and it got 28 20 to 25 at one point, three was the closest it got. And then from then on, whitewash. They just went on an avalanche. And, you know, I was proud of them because this is a step, right? We talk about reference points. This team has limited reference points because they're young. Well, all these games are reference points now for them. And so I was really impressed with the fight. Um, you know, Golden State's an eight-point favorite at home tonight. Um, There's all that championship know-how, expertise, et cetera. But look, the, the putting Steven Adams back in the starting lineup has gotten them more possessions. It's kept Jaron Jackson out of foul trouble, which is huge, right? Because he stays on the floor and they're better. And they play better defense without Morant. So, you know, I don't think they'll roll over in this game either. But, you know, the Warriors being at home is going to be a little tough to overcome. So just a little strategy, uh, a mental strategy, not X and O strategy. Um, when you're down 12 early third quarter in, a, in a, any game, much less a, especially a, a closeout game, or, or in my experience, I've never coached the NBA, a, a playoff game, um, you've you got to stop thinking about coming back to win, and you have to start thinking about give luck, giving luck a chance to happen. How do you do that? By winning possessions, keeping it tight. We call it stay connected. Um, it puts the pressure on there. If they're up 12 in the third period, I don't care what league you're playing in high school or pro they're the favorites to win the game. 
even if they're the worst team, they're the favorites when the game up 12 in the third quarter or less than half a game left. Stay connected. Put pressure on them to make plays. And it's, it's easier to play with the lead for sure, but a closeout game is different. And I have a lot of experience in this, both as a coach and as, a, as, an, as an analyst. It's just hard to close out games. Phoenix knows that now, right? They've seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luca never won a closeout game before. He had lost every one he ever played in when he was the, mm-hmm. the, not the favorite. Um, it's the first time he had won one. It's just tough. In baseball, we always talk about it, tough to get those last three outs. In fact, one of my all-time favorite stories, because I'm, no, I'm not perfect, my son's team was in this incredible battle. He had pitched the game of his life and the championship for All-Stars, and we're three outs away from winning. We're up big um, against the number one seed. And my, but my son had to be pulled because he's out of pitches. So now he's going to center field. He's dead. He's gassed. Pitched the game of his life. And I yell out, come on, boys, just three more outs. Well, in Florida, every fucking other dad played <laughs> professional baseball. So Don't we have that. two, not one, two former draft pick pitching coaches who pitched in professional baseball. And they're, they're in their 30s or 40s, whatever. And I swear to you, Gerard, these are the nicest, sweetest <laughs> men. And they coached my son so well. You would have thought I said the N-word at like a rap concert, man. It, I've never felt worse in my life. Like, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? It's just three outs. And then I quickly realized, oh, fuck, I should have said one out at a time. Like, that's all you can think about. And sure enough, we were up like, I swear to you, 12 to 2, we won 12 to 10. And we, our shortstop made the play, yeah. the amazing play to, to win the game. I have it on video. It was incredible. <laughs> Holy shit, did I learn something there. But I knew, I already knew, it's just fucking hard to close the team out. So if you're Dallas, Gerard, just stay connected. One possession at a time. If you're up 12, fine. Different story. If you're, but if you're down, and they might be because they've been so reliant on that three-point shooting separate from Luka, who gets mm-hmm. buckets all the ways. The other guys really don't as well, unless mm-hmm. they're getting steals. I think in this last game, remember we wrote early in the season about Luka and turnovers? I published an article about it. Yep. He had one turnover mm-hmm. this last game. One. Yep. Phoenix had 22. Dallas had six. Yeah. So that's a big thing to watch. Your point is right about crowding Luca with size and length and aggressiveness. Like they're trying to make these things happen. And it's not just him, it's Booker too. It's everybody, Landry Shamit, it's mm-hmm. all of them. Yep. If you're Dallas, you're down. Just win possessions, man. Just win possessions. You got Luca to get your buckets. Put the pressure back on Phoenix to close us out. And maybe, maybe they will. I mean, the point God is the point God for a reason. Booker, I think, I, I tweeted this the other day, Gerard. I, I've, I'm upset that I miss so badly on Devin Booker. And it's not like I wrote anything negative about him. I didn't write anything about him that I remember. Right. remember. I just didn't see it. And I didn't watch him play Kentucky or whatever. But, oh, my God, is he incredible. What a fucking great player oh, yeah. he is. He's a, is he the mm-hmm. best two-guard in the league right now? I mean, he he was be. Hurt, he's got tremendous footwork. He's the best. He is. Yeah, he is. He's phenomenal. He is so he's put a pressure, phenomenal, but, phenomenal But he hasn't player. had a bunch of clothes. He's had some because they've won, won series last right. year. Yeah, but, put pressure yeah. on him to beat us. Put pressure. We're going nowhere. And this is what Memphis yeah. did and Golden State. Mm-hmm. And Golden State wilted. Same thing they got to do tonight uh, in, in, uh, in uh, tonight's game six, right? For them. Yeah, tonight's game yeah, six. Tonight, yep. um, Keep it close. You got to just – if they beat us, they beat us. But it's not – we're going to fight every fucking possession, and they're going to have to put us away. That's what Philadelphia didn't do last night. Um, didn't fight. No, did not. I have a question for you tactically. Yeah. Okay. Adams is probably going to play yeah. and, and start, which is very helpful. 
if you're Golden State, and this goes against their ethos, right? Their egalitarian offense, you move the ball, you do your back cuts, whatever. Do you go small and do start the Jordan Poole lineup and then just attack Adams mercilessly in pick and roll? Um, you know, I, I, I would do this. They've, I don't have the data. I would stick with the science on that and not be, as long as it, if that, if that science looked out, looked good, sure. I don't think you should be afraid in the postseason to, to make those kind of adjustments. I did think Taylor Jenkins was wrong as we've written about this many, I wrote three articles about big men starring Steven Adams. Why are you quitting on him because of one bad game in, against cat and a history of that when he is, when you talk about the word ethos, I mean, that is very much mm-hmm. part of the Grizzlies' story. They weren't number one in anything mm-hmm. except for where he's great in, offensive rebounding, you know, transition buckets where he's getting boards and kicking out whatever outlet passes. Um, I think he's a big part of their story. And he's back. He is. And I think that's good for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact they had so much success without Jaw this year, I think, gives them confidence. Um, mm-hmm. But Golden State has to just quickly pivot. You do not want to go to a game seven. And you want to try to get a big yeah, fucking lead yeah. in this game. Don't, you know, tr- you know yeah, yeah. the Grizzlies want to stay connected. Uh, you go say wants mm-hmm. to get a margin and then defend the margin. And um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. obviously Memphis would love a margin too, but on the road it's tougher. Um, they need a, I think they need a great game from Curry. Like they need, these guys are going to be yeah. nervous a little bit. Wiggins has had a good series, right? They, yeah, he's, he's been, he's, he's been pretty good, but shooting wise coach, the Warriors have no. not shot the three well no. this series. They've been yeah. bad. Like they're shooting as a team 35. It's something yeah. not good. This is right? why Clay's in the 20s. Like it's just I'm like this is where this is... I think like Miami had Butler, Dallas has Luca, Milwaukee has Giannis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Warriors need them from Steph Curry. They need a curry game. They need a, they need a curry, they need a curry game. game. And he again, he he hasn't shot the three well nope, all season. Not for him. Like it's not just oh, isolated. For him, yeah. 36 or 37 is great for anybody right. else. But him, no. What, what makes them so unbeatable is he shoots 43% from three on volume. That's what makes it like, oh, well, we can't beat yeah. these guys. And, um, and, and when he's doing that, it stretches the defense so much they get buckets everywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the are, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, so, yeah, if, if Memphis can keep it close, I think you're right. Pressure will start to fall on Golden State, and they'll be like, damn, because they'll be thinking, we don't want to get on a plane and go to Memphis. Because you know what game sevens are like? Anything can happen. It's on the road. It's... Somebody could twist an ankle. Like, it's just, it's all bad. Uh, Boston, Milwaukee. That is a slobber knocker. Old school. Like, man, those, it's just so physical. I, when I'm done watching that game, I'm, my body hurts (laughs) and I'm not even doing anything. I'm just like, this is just like, God, all you guys do is just bang and bang and bang. We talked about Drew Holiday. You did a great video about him. He was incredible in game five. Just not offensively. He wasn't, although he had a big three and another big mid range. Those, that block and steal at the end. It's just like, He's like, no, I am the defensive player of the year, actually. But it's fine. <laughs> Awards aside. Um, who's going to win this rock fight? Because <laughs> it's a rock fight. Who's going to win this? And will they have anything left for the conference yeah. finals? That's no joke. Miami's resting up now. In Miami. Uh, they're not dealing with cold yeah. fronts in Miami. I promise you that. They're mm-hmm. in the pool, baby. Um, I don't know who's going to win. It's, these are coin flip games. These are coin flip games. And so... If you if if Middleton doesn't play the whole series, which he's not going to play, I don't think and he will. Robert Williams yeah. and Marcus Smart are healthy every game, I think Boston wins the series. If you flip it and say Robert Williams is in and out, Marcus Smart was hurt early on, and Middleton played every game, I think Milwaukee wins the series. But given what we have, where the, both these teams are missing guys, these are coin flip games. So I, I absolutely believe Boston 
can win game six. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a one, two possession game. That's how close these teams are. I think these are the two best teams in the league right now. And I, and I had favored yeah. Phoenix for many months, but even going back to, mm-hmm. yeah, even going back to just a couple weeks ago, I told, I don't know if I said on the show, but I said to Henry, I now think Boston's going to win the championship. And then of course, Rob Williams went down because their wings are just too big for Phoenix. But the way, the way Milwaukee's playing, Giannis is just at another level again. And Drew's defense, again, they could easily lose game six and game seven because these are coin flip games. If, if I said who's going to win, heads or tails, you would never know. You're just guessing. But it's not an educated <laughs> right. game. It's just a one right. or two. Whatever. These are coin flip teams. They really are. They're that close. Yeah. Uh, but to the physicality point of view, which I'm glad you mentioned, I just feel like these are the only two teams playing NBA Finals defense right now. Miami hasn't had to, really. But so I can't blame them. They will in the next round. These two teams look like it, it looks like an NBA Finals game. It feels like one, yeah. doesn't it? Giannis yeah. bleeding down his it face, does. guys going oh, down all so that. hard <laughs> all the time and fucking bringing it. They're these two teams are ready to win a championship. Look, you know we underestimate, I think, oftentimes what championship resolve and metal means because you can't quantify it right like i don't know in a moment what it because there's no math for that right but i do know that's that block and steal by drew that's championship metal that's what that is right like Giannis coming down and again the way he competes i don't care if i airball a free throw i don't care if i airball a three which by the way stay van gundy killing him all the time for taking threes is like that's a win for the boston demons every time here's what i think about that i know what stan means because like he's not good at shooting threes I think for Giannis, the reality is he knows he's not good at shooting threes. But also what we don't realize is he's not a machine. Driving to the rim from 40 feet out every time takes a toll on you physically. I can't do that for 48 straight minutes. So sometimes to save myself, I got to shoot just to just to give myself a break on a possession. I may make it. We may not. Whatever. But we got Brook Lopez. We may get a rebound to get it back. He needs to kind of, you know, give himself a minute before he goes back into the the, the giant forest again and bang against all these big dudes to go up to the rim. But he just competes at a level, and he is right now the best player in the world as it relates to the playoffs, right? Like the 16 games. He is the, get on my back, guys. I got this. Whatever it takes. Get into the paint. I don't care. I'm going to do whatever. And again, that's it's amazing to watch that and amazing to watch how Boston's offending him. And whew, this series is, you're right, it is coin flip. I mean... <laughs> NBA Twitter going nuts because Scott Foster's roughing the game tonight. So they're like, oh, we know what, what that I, means. What, game seven's what, coming. Oh, is that what it means? I didn't know what they meant by that. Oh, yes. So so Scott Scott Foster's nickname is the extender, right? That's what that's what they call him on NBA that's Twitter so because he extends series. Yes. Which of course the NBA doesn't love the fact that people think that he rigs games. But well, Henry's, but Henry's um, talked about this before. Uh if the NBA was in the business of of doing that kind of stuff, they're the worst business men of all time. Right. Correct. No, no yes, New York teams terrible. are left. No LA teams are left. Right. right. Oh, right. a lot of superstars are already gone. Like, what are we talking about here? Right. Cleveland's won yes, multiple yes. first picks in the draft. Minnesota's yes. won one. Like, come on. Right. Yeah, it's stupid. It's stupid. Um, it, it could go either way. I mean, I'm sure Milwaukee would love to close it out tonight, though, and get themselves ready for that hellacious series against the Heat because they got some those two those teams have some history, right? Like, yeah, the Heat killed them in the bubble, and then you know Milwaukee paid them back last year, so it'll that'll yeah. be a nice series. And then Boston, I think, they're excellent. Jimmy Butler, Giannis. That's oh, that's man. something to think about. But Jimmy Butler, Just Jimmy dogs. Butler, Jason Tatum is fun to think about too. Like, I think. <laughs> 
I think I'd favor all three Eastern teams that are left yeah. over the West yeah. right now. I yeah. mean, I don't think that's I think so. John Moran's not playing. No. As you no. said, the Warriors are not shooting great, and they're still struggling to beat no. the, the, the Jawless Grizz. And uh, Phoenix is struggling against a, a good Dallas team, but they have one great player. Right. I think, I think yeah. the Eastern teams all have a, an edge right now. They do. They do. And it's good, good for the league to have some parity, right? See the Eastern Conference kind of back on top. All right. Uh, last thing before we go here, Coach. I don't know if you saw this, but Bill Plaschke um, from the LA Times had a sit-down interview with Lakers majority owner and governor Jeannie Buss. And she talked about how she's not happy. The team had the fourth highest payroll in the league. Um, and they obviously were well below 500, did not, you know, played poorly. They're in the luxury tax, all those things. And she hinted that changes are coming. And, you know, I read this article and, you know, we cover the league. We know people are not the league. Everyone I've talked to has nothing but wonderful things to say about Jeannie Buss as a person. And, you know, that's, all, that's always what I've heard. But as someone who runs a business and a team, and that article, Coach, like, I take advice from Kurt Rambis. Linda Rambis is one of my best friends. Sure, I still take advice from Phil Jackson. Yes, Magic Johnson still gives me a... It's like, that sounds like a crowded-ass boardroom. You got Rob Palenka, you, the Rambises, Magic Johnson. Uh, I mean, what? Oh, and let's not forget LeBron and Clutch. Like, how many people are making decisions here? <laughs> like, well, And Phil Jackson. Like, Well, and... Uh, how many of them are qualified to have an opinion? Well, that's my, that's the ultimate yeah. thing. Uh, I, <laughs> like, I, I mean, love, you know, Magic Johnson, as you know, as a player, but he is not qualified mm-hmm. to have an opinion on micro issues, macro issues. He can, but he doesn't know the league. He doesn't know. He's not studying. It, it, it is offensive to think about anyone who can just helicopter in and give really smart opinions about micro issues in this game. Uh, it's it's too complex. It's too and there's too many people studying too hard to think they can do it. And uh, and I don't think she uh, is some kind of expert in the game. Not because she's a woman, that's for sure. Right. Uh, I don't think. She, I mean, unless she's coached and and acted right. as a GM and studied all this tape and studied all this data, uh, it's too bad. Now I I went to a Lakers workout last week when I was in LA at their practice facility, and Ramis was there and Palinka was there, and it was great. It was great. They were incredibly professional men uh, and women that were there. Uh, it was first class all the way. It really was. But, um, I, you know, their, their problems are Russell Westbrook, LeBron AD aging up too and being hurt a lot. Not a lot of depth, almost no depth at all. It's, uh, they, they need a radical change and, and some good luck. Yes. They need some good yeah. luck too. Yeah. In the last 10 seasons – They've made the playoffs three times. Once they won the championship in 2020 in the bubble. Other two years, first round and out. Um, yeah, they haven't won. And tell me if I'm wrong. They haven't won a playoff series in L.A. in over a decade, right? Correct. And in those seven seasons, they didn't make the playoffs in the last 10 years. They were under 500 in all seven of those yeah. seasons. And, you know, Jeannie's got to start looking outside the Laker family yeah. to figure out what. And, I, you know, she looked. Her dad handpicked her for a reason. He groomed her for the job, right? She studied at his feet like that. She runs it the exact same way he did. And it's cool that you love all these guys who helped you win 18 championships as a franchise. But as you said, micro issues, these dudes aren't paying attention to the day-to-day. Like you no, Palenka, you Palenka is. Different. I'm sure Rob is studying. Right, yeah, except for Rob, Palenka. Rob's right, professional right. as an agent and as a GM. Right. Mistakes or not, at least he's on it every day. Kurt Rambis 
in his role, Linda Ramis, I don't know her, but I'm sure she's not watching tape all the time. Um, right. Th- yeah, this is, dude, this is a hard business. I talked to a scout last night from Milwaukee. Um, man, they're focused on the draft. Like, they, they got to deal with this yeah. year. But they're still yeah. looking at the future. And that's all they do is study, 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 yeah. study all the time. And, uh, yeah, they've got to do some radical. Like I said, they need a radical transformation there. For sure. All right, folks, that was another rousing episode of Bring It In. We will see you next week on Monday with Henry and Coach, and we'll be back next Friday. Until next time, take care. Be safe.